Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Actus Podcast, a bi-weekly program dedicated to bringing you closer to the difference makers in CDI and sharing the latest news relevant to the CDI profession and Actus. I'm Linnea Archibald, the Associate Editorial Director for Actus, and I will be your host for today's show. We have a great show lined up, and I'm going to be joined by several members of the Actus team very shortly, including Director of Programming Rebecca Hendren, Editor and Product Coordinator Carla Kozak, and Associate editor Jess Fliegel. Today's show will provide a glimpse behind the scenes of all things Actus in a more casual, conversational format than our other podcast series, and will also feature an interview with an Actus member involved with our association. Today, we're going to discuss AI's impact on CDI work and workflow, and my guest today is Catherine Parsley, MSN, RN, CPHQ, CCDS, CDI Manager at Providence Health and Services in Oregon. Katie began her nursing career in the emergency department, later expanding to OR, cardiology, and quality, where she first learned about CDI. She started her CDI career in 2017 as a frontline CDI specialist in a multi-hospital system in Texas. Then she went on to earn her CCDS certification in 2019 and was later promoted to regional supervisor in 2020, giving her the platform to combine her passion for leadership with her love of CDI. In May 2022, Katie transitioned to her current role as manager with Providence. She is passionate about helping her team grow into strong, confident CDI specialists while fostering a positive, engaging environment. She has been a member of the Actus Leadership Council since 2021. Also, as a quick reminder, the Actus podcast continues to offer 0.5 Actus CEUs for the first two days after posting. Those can be used toward your CCDS or CCDS O recertification requirements. I will share the instructions at the end of the show, so stay tuned for that. And now, before we jump into our topic, just a brief word about today's sponsor. Today's show is brought to you by Nuance Communications. Nuance Communications is a technology pioneer with market leadership in conversational AI and ambient intelligence, and a full-service partner trusted by 77% of U.S. hospitals and 85% of the Fortune 100 companies worldwide. Now a Microsoft company, Nuance brings industry-leading AI and deep vertical expertise to address your biggest challenges and accelerate healthcare outcomes. Nuance meets you where you are in your CDI journey with AI-driven solutions that meet your needs. Recently named 2024 Best in KLAS for CDI, CDE1 provides in-workflow intelligence that keeps the patient at the center of the story, supporting quality outcomes and appropriate reimbursement. Optimize your CDI program and maximize resources with CDE1's AI-powered encounter prioritization, workflow, analytics, and services delivered in your current workflows and hosted on high-trust CSF-certified Microsoft Azure for end-to-end security, privacy, and compliance. Visit the link in today's show notes to learn more. And now, back to the show. So thanks again for joining me today, Katie. I am just so excited to have you here today. To start us out, I'd love to talk about your department's workflow currently. Could you share a bit about kind of how your CDI specialists do their job? Are they working in multiple tools or do you have kind of one solution for them? Sure. Well, thank you so much for having me today, Linnea. Um, Outside of our EMR, our department uses one tool for the entirety of our CDI work. 
So we use the same tool for our prioritization and our CDI reviews. And then we send our queries through our EMR also. Uh, we do have an expected number of initial reviews per day. Uh, for half of these initial reviews, we do utilize our tool to auto-assign the charts using its AI. And then the other half are CDS do self-select. They follow the charts through admission and manage their own re-reviews. We do expect them to complete at least one last re-review at the time of discharge or the day after to ensure the documentation is complete and accurate once that discharge summary is present. Uh, and we also review all of the CDS's own DRG mismatches with coding. They do their own reconciliations. And we have a daily query escalation process that we follow as well. That's awesome. And it's so it's so nice, I feel like, to be in one platform for the most part. Like I know you've got the EMR as well, but having your one CDI mm -hmm. tool, I feel like streamlines most of it at least, <laughs> which is great. Mm -hmm. And yeah. um, what if the things, I mean, there's just so many options out on the market right now. And as CDI has matured, there are more and more workflow tools and technology that are available to departments to choose from. And that's both very exciting and it can also be extremely overwhelming. So do you have any advice for folks choosing from the various tools and software available on kind of how to decide what's going to work best for their department? Yeah, because there's so many things to consider when you're looking at the tools. And I think it really depends on which aspect you're viewing this from. So when I'm looking strictly at my CDI department, um, I want to first and foremost, I think of their efficiency. So is the tool compatible with our EMR and, and to what extent? Um, the more copy paste clicks that we can remove from their everyday workflow, it makes a big difference in the long run with not just their efficiency, but also their burnout. The more steps they have to do double work, um, that it can really wear on them after doing so many reviews each week, each month. Um, I think also the extent of the tool's ability to customize is something to consider because everyone's department and focus is different. So how much can you customize your prioritization, your worksheets, your query templates, and uh, how painful is that of a process to update that customization in the future? And then also thinking about your specific department and your fo special focuses or your special roles. Um, for example, if you want to have a CDS review all-cause mortalities, can your software identify those patients and make it an efficient process? Um, and what support is the vendor going to give? And how much are they going to be helping you through customizing um, and one-on-ones? And then as a leader, something big for me is the analytics. Um, so... Various tools and software offer many different things, but especially when it comes to your executives, um, the analytics are so important. Proving the impact of your department is what shows them your job, your team is doing their job well. Uh, and if there is a gap, being able to explain that variance through the data, if you want to expand or add FTEs or shift roles, the analytics are a vital part of that. Um, so really understanding what you can um, obtain through that tool is important. And then thinking outside of just our CDI bubble or our silo and how this impacts your other stakeholders. So 
Um, your coders, does it add additional steps to them with those DRG mismatches? Does it make answering queries more difficult or easier for providers? Um, because our, our providers are essential for our role. And when you're looking at specific tools within the software, ensuring you know that they're compliant and meeting your standards. And if they're not, is the vendor able to work with you to bring it up to those expectations? And I think one other bit of advice is to really see that program in action and talk to other healthcare systems that use it. What are their pain points? What do they love about it? Why did they choose it? And you can go through the vendor and ask who they refer you to talk to. But I also really love using Actus as a resource, um, talking to others within the industry that you know. Um, the Leadership Council has a great venue for asking questions, the Actus forums. Um, so really using Actus as a resource to get feedback, um, I think, is really helpful as well. Yeah, absolutely. It's one of my favorite things about the Leadership Council specifically is just how willing everybody is to share their experience. And I, it's true of the broader community as well. Obviously, there's mm -hmm. a lot more Actus members than specifically Leadership Council members, and people are just so willing to share their experience. So truly don't hesitate to reach out um, as you're looking at a, a potential solution. It's That's really great advice. So one of the things um, that you kind of mentioned was that customization piece. So I want to zoom in on that for a minute. When you are selecting a solution for your department, what is the process that you go through for implementing it? I know I've heard people talk about it kind of like tuning the solution, so particularly with AI tools, so that they can kind of pick up on the right things and work really well for your organizational goals and all of that. So what does that process look like in your experience? So for our team, much like many others, we typically start with a small pilot group. Um, this group is really highly engaged CDS or other stakeholders who volunteer to be part of our pilot. Um, and they really help identify any of this tuning that you mentioned that needs to be done before we expand the tool to our department as a whole. We meet frequently as a team. We meet frequently with the vendor. Um, we'll have dedicated chat groups. And we really work through that PDSA cycle, the, you know, the plan, do, study, act. Um, together until we feel like that we have a workflow or process that would work on the broader scale for the whole team. After that, we really plan out and are sure to provide the education and notifications to all our stakeholders, not just our CDS within our department. Um, this could involve our providers, coders, executives, quality peers. Um, and it's important for us to continue this PDSA cycle after lunch, because having new fresh eyes on that tool um, as it expands really brings a whole new perspective that can help present more efficient solutions that we really didn't consider before in the pilot phase. And that's one thing I really love about our team. There's always a question about how we can do this, but do it better. Can we be more efficient or effective and really think outside that box for a solution? But your relationship with the vendor is also really important. Uh, we meet frequently with our vendor reps, identifying any problems, discussing our ideas, asking for additional customization, whether they can provide that or not. But I think the most important thing is the communication and transparency. It's, it's really vital throughout the process 
And that's what has really helped our team navigate through change more successfully. Yeah, I love that. It's, it's so much is about communication, both like mm-hmm. internally and externally with your vendor. Like you're not going to get very far if you don't have those open lines of communication with any endeavor, but particularly with technology and a new solution. You got to kind of have everybody on the same page. <laughs> right. So one of the things that we hear a lot about in relation to technology is that it can potentially increase staff productivity. So are there impacts that you've seen to your metrics as you are adding additional tools or the tools kind of become more sophisticated? And then what metrics would you suggest that leaders monitor to ensure that their tool is really meeting the expectations that they are setting out? Yeah, I think that's really specific to the tool. Um, When we're looking at our software overall, an obvious answer, you know, is review rates and query rates. If that tool is helping your staff's productivity, are they able to get through more charts each day? Um, If the tool is helping prioritize, is it identifying charts with query opportunities for your, for review? So is the query rate going up? Or is the tool misreading the a, the progress notes and prioritizing a chart that really doesn't need to be? We use a tool within our EMR that automatically brings in a lot of the discrete data for our queries, for our query templates. And while the CDS does have to ensure the data is accurate and correct the formatting to ensure it's not leading, it has helped our staff write queries faster. Um, so that we have seen an impact within our metrics, but also the staff feedback. And another quote unquote metric that doesn't really show up in data, but you can look at is burnout rate. If it's improving the workflow for your CDS, is it helping them feel more productive and like they're able to successfully complete their work? Um, But depending on the tool, you can also look at provider response rate, uh, especially with the AI generated queries. Are your providers still engaged? Or are they responding less to queries because they're being inundated or they feel like some of these queries are not necessary? So that's a close one. That's one to keep a close pulse on, depending on what tool you're looking at, because we cannot be successful as a CDI department without our providers and their engagement. Um, So that is one that's really important um, to keep in touch with them and get their feedback. Yeah, absolutely. And it's, I think some of that, like those provider response rates can get at that burnout conversation that that you're monitoring as well. Like, mm-hmm. yes, it's probably not a one-to-one, but if they're getting that like alert fatigue and you're starting right. to see a drop in the response rate, that might be a good indication that you've got a, a potential burnout problem on your hands. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's a hard one to get your hands around, but very important. So I want to back up a little bit to something you mentioned very briefly about kind of the change piece of the whole conversation. And one of just the biggest challenges with AI tools is the change management for staff who are adopting the tool and also for providers who are perhaps working within the tool if it is physician facing. So how would you recommend that leaders navigate those changes? How do you take CDI and provider feedback into consideration when customizing and adapting a tool? Or do you do that? How do you handle that? Yes, I change is always difficult. But, you know, it's one of those things that we can always count on in this industry. There's always going to be change. Uh, two of the things that I found within our team that has made a big difference is 
one, explaining the why and, and transparency, and then two, actually listening to the feedback that's given. And those both sound so simple, but frequently in the effort to make the change, it can be overlooked. Um, you know, explaining the why for most people understanding that really makes the transition transition easier. And this can also include how it will help them and improve upon the current state and being transparent with the intent and the expectations from the start. Uh, one of the cultures that we really like to foster within our own team is for our staff to always ask questions. Uh, but we do it in a positive, uplifting manner. manner. So not in a way that is condescending or it brings the team down, but really with an effort to improve or understand the process. Um, and so this culture has really helped our team navigate change management more successfully um, because they do feel comfortable asking those questions. And then listening to the feedback that is given, we can't, as a leader, I don't feel like I can make a change and be married to that exact process or idea that's in place in its inception, um, or become defensive when we receive feedback that you don't like. When feedback is given and the team, whether that's your CDS or physician, sees that you put effort into rectifying that current problem or improving the workflow because of their feedback, you'll receive a lot more buy-in. And sometimes, you know, not all feedback can be uh, result in change. And so sometimes that just, again, goes back to transparency and communication. You just need to explain why the process is the way it is, why it cannot change. Sometimes that's a programming limitation. Other times it's because we tried this in the pilot and it failed because of X, Y, Z. But like I mentioned before, it's a constant PDSA cycle. Our team completely changed CDI tools over two years ago, and we are still finding ways to improve our processes within the tool, uh, improve the way we use it and providing that constant education and reminders um, so that we're all consistent in our workflow. Um, so supporting, continuing to support and provide check-ins um, after the education and launch, not just with the CDS, but even the providers and the other stakeholders is important. Yeah, absolutely. It's really not a set it and forget it type situation. Like it really right. is something that requires some some level of circling back <laughs> over time to see where mm -hmm. you're at, even just with things like like software updates or, you know, you've got a group of new physicians have started if you are a teaching organization and now your process is a little bit wonky because of that. Like, it's just, right. yes. yeah, constant reevaluation is vital. So as we kind of close out our conversation, I do want to address one of kind of the big fears that we often hear from CDI professionals when we discuss the advent of kind of more sophisticated AI tools. So do you think that there is any cause for concern that technology will eliminate or severely decrease the need for CDI staff and why or why not? You know, I do, I know that a lot of people do feel that way, but I personally do not. Um, and I know this was a question in one of the 2023 ACTUS surveys that I found really interesting, but I think there are tools that will help with some of the low hanging fruit within CDI, you know, whether that's the BMI queries or what type of CHF are you documenting or, or some others that may be a bit more complicated, but CDI is so nuanced and complex 
Uh, there are charts that I don't think AI could ever really sort out or query accurately. Um, we've been using AI for years through many different tools that make suggestions for query opportunities or prioritization that sometimes the, this AI is accurate, but also many times it's not. So the higher hanging fruit that takes really understanding the documentation nuances and complexities of coding, coding clinics, I don't personally see AI progressing enough to eliminate the need for CDI staff. But also, I see it as an opportunity. There are always areas that as a leader, I'm wanting to expand to. But, you know, there's never enough FTEs or additional budget to really do it. So if AI does alleviate any of the current CDI role with that lower hanging fruit, there are so many areas that we can use that brilliant CDI critical thinking in, whether that's second level reviews or starting hack PSI reviews, if you haven't done that, um, looking at outpatient or pre-surgery or getting more into the quality aspects with readmissions and mortalities or denials. I think AI, AI may change some parts of the role, but I don't think it will eliminate the need for CDI. If, if anything, it will allow us to grow more into other areas that we can really be impactful in. Yeah, it's a it's a hopeful view of of the relationship <laughs> between CDI and technology, I think. And it's it can be easy to get doom and gloom about it, but at the end of the day, there's a reason why CDI is such a specialized role and requires that in-depth critical thinking and if it does free up some of your time to look at those more complex things, like that's wonderful. That's a great thing. Right. Yes. <laughs> yes. Yeah. So we'll, we'll stay positive around here at Actus. <laughs> so I, I appreciate you weighing in on that uh, somewhat heavy topic, Katie. And this has, this has kind of brought us to the end of our conversation. It's been really fun talking to you and I appreciate it so much. And as always, if our audience does have any questions about this topic or about anything else, you can always email the whole Actus team at info at actus.org. That email address goes directly to all of our team's inboxes. So we will get back to you personally. I will also put that email address in today's show notes, which are going to be available on the show page at at actus.org and also in your podcast app so that you can just easily grab it from there. Now it's time for the Actus Update, a regular segment featuring the latest news on what's going on inside our association. Before I get my colleagues here to talk a bit about what they are all working on lately, I do want to remind everybody that time is running out to respond to the 2024 Actus Membership Survey, which will close on March 8th. The annual membership survey helps us really understand what you're looking for from us as your professional association and how we can better meet the industry's needs. We do ask both members and non-members to respond because we include a number of questions that are specific to our free resources as well. So just know that even if you're not a member, we do still want to hear from you. We would really appreciate it if you would take the time to respond by March 8th. And as a token of our appreciation, anyone who completes that survey does have the chance to enter a fun giveaway. So you really don't want to miss out on that. And in other news, of course, the big thing we're really excited about right now is that we're less than six weeks away from seeing you all at the Actus Conference in Indianapolis. 
We do have some exciting information to share about that event in just a minute. But before I get too far ahead of myself, uh, Jess, could you talk to us a little bit about the brand new CDI Journal edition that's coming out later this week? Yes. Uh, on Friday, the March-April CDI Journal will be published. Um, and Actus members can expect uh, articles about outpatient CDI workflow, pediatric reviews, social determinants of health, and even a sneak peek look at CDI that's emerging in Canada, which is pretty cool, um, with this edition's focus on expansion opportunities in CDI. Our Physician Advisors Corner article, I think, also has a, a lot of great advice for those wanting to learn more about working with providers in the outpatient arena and uh, what roadblocks that you may need to overcome in that. And don't forget that after reading the journal, you can take an assessment to earn one Actus CEU. Also, uh, contributing to the CDI journal is really rewarding um, in that respect as well, because you can earn CEUs according to the word count of any article submission you send in that's accepted and published in an edition. So our May-June edition is all about collaboration and engagement. We're super excited about that, uh, considering what a focus that is for the CDI profession, too. Um, but yeah, the submission deadline is April 1st, 2024. And if there's something you've been itching to write, we'd love to see your submission among them. I think, Carla, you were up next to talk about the conference. I always want to talk about the conference, <laughs> Jess, because it is what I live and breathe these days. It's hard to believe, like Linnea said, we're only a little over a month out from the conference. And one thing I'm especially excited for this year is the solar eclipse that's going to be happening right at the same time of, as the conference. I've never seen a solar eclipse before, and not only are we going to get to see it, we're in the path of totality in Indianapolis, which is supposed to be the greatest viewing point. So we will be having a special viewing at 3.06 p.m. right outside of registration to kick off our week of discovery. Viewing glasses will be sponsored by Iodine. And unfortunately, the Eclipse is not an Actus exclusive event. So I do just want to encourage you to book your hotel room in the room block if you haven't already, because the hotels in the area are expected to sell out because people do come from different places to come see the Eclipse. So just a reminder, get your hotel room booked. And there are actually only about two weeks left and for the hotel room block rate. The cutoff is Friday, March 15th. So you'll want to use the link in the show notes to secure your hotel room at our room block rate as soon as possible. And then after we have this stunning solar eclipse viewing experience together, we'll be going straight into our exhibit hall grand opening, which will take place from 4 to 7 p.m. And this is a great opportunity to meet our exhibitors, thank them for being there, hear a little bit about what they have to say, and catch up with your old friends who are in town for the conference, and maybe even meet some new ones. If you're a first-time attendee, we'll be having a special meetup for you guys in the exhibit hall to get to meet other first-time attendees. So you'll want to come by the Actus booth, look for the table with the sign that says first-time attendees at 5 p.m. during this opening reception. You'll be able to meet some of the Actus team, get to meet other fellow first-time attendees, and we'll give you some tips for navigating the conference because it can be pretty overwhelming your first year. Plus, it'll give you a chance to meet some friendly faces, 
some people you might want to have dinner with or sit with during your conference sessions just to make the whole week a little bit more enjoyable. Um, And I'd be remiss if I didn't mention that Rebecca has been my partner in crime in planning this conference. We've been working very closely together for almost a year now on this, which is crazy to think about how early we start planning Mm -hmm. these things. So Rebecca, what are you looking forward to? Or tell us a little bit about the conference. Oh, I know we have been working so hard and I just get more and more excited the closer we get. I can't believe it is so soon. And I'm thrilled for everybody to get to experience the sessions that we have. We, We always have just the most amazing agendas But I think this year, I'm just even more impressed with it than in years past. The variety of topics that we have is incredible. And I want to say thank you to everybody who spends so much time putting thought into sharing what they know, what they do, what they've discovered. It really is just the most heartwarming experience to know that this community is so willing to share and educate each other so that we can all learn and grow together. So please do check out the agenda. There are five tracks happening at any one time. So you've got a lot of different options. We're going to cover things like the latest clinical encoding developments on popular topics like sepsis, encephalopathy, and malnutrition. I'm really excited about the professional development leadership sessions that we have on offer, um, including um, green flags for leaders. I can't wait for that one. We've got talks about emotional intelligence and mentorship and then we have a brand new track we actually have two new tracks this year and one of the brand new tracks is on denials so we've got all sorts of topics in that track specially focused for those who are looking at minimizing denials clinical validation things like that Um, we know a lot of you breaking out into pediatric cdi and we've got more sessions than we've ever had before on pediatric topics which is excellent, including behavioral health, lengths of stay and mortality, and critical illness. And then just be sure to make sure you really take the time to read through everything. You don't have to stay in one track. You can move around and pick the sessions that work for you. You know, you might want to take a sneak peek at ICD-11. I know that might make your heartbeat a little faster in terror at the thought of ICD-11 is coming, but we've got a little sneak peek for you. We've got information on the latest, uh, the 2024 HCC changes, regulatory updates, anything you could imagine, I think you're going to find it. And of course, for all this great education, we do offer a lot of continuing education credits. You can get 13 CEUs from Actis, NARI, we offer ANCC nursing credits, we've got CME, and we offer a HEMA credit. So a broad range of CEUs, you can really get a lot when you attend. So if you have any questions about the conference, don't hesitate to reach out to us. We always love to talk with you about the conference, and we can't wait to see you in just six weeks. Lene, I'm going to pass it back to you for closing things out. Yeah, I I can't believe we're this close to the conference, I and I, it's... It's like the most fun and the most exhausting part of our year every (laughs) year. So we just can't wait to see everybody and kind of see this all come to fruition. Mainly Carla and Rebecca have been 
working the hardest on this, along with our events team internally and our events committee, working on reviewing sessions and selecting the agenda and all of that. It's just a mountain of work. And so we're very excited to see everybody in Indianapolis. And of course, if you want to know more about the conference, we'll put all the links in the show notes and we'll also link to the CDI Strategies subscription. If you want to find out when the journal is published, that'll be out this week on Friday, like Jess said. So you can um, stay up to date on that and links to the membership survey and all that good stuff, of course, will be available in the show notes. And you can always email us at info at actus.org if you have any more questions about anything we talked about or anything else Actus or CDI related. We'd love to hear from you. As a reminder before we close out, each Actus podcast episode offers 0.5 Actus CEUs, which can be used toward recertifying your CCDS or CCDSO credential for those of you who listen to our show in the first two days from the time of publication. To receive your 0.5 CEUs, go to the show page on actus.org by clicking on the Actus podcast link under the resources tab, and then clicking on today's episode from the list on that page. Then scroll down to the recording of today's episode and click play. At the end of the video, as in all the way at the end when the timer gets to zero and the music has ended, a link to the CEU evaluation will appear. Simply click on that, take the brief survey, and your certificate will be automatically emailed to you upon submitting that brief evaluation. Those instructions are also laid out on the show page so you can follow along there as well. To ensure that your certificate reaches you and does not get trapped in your organization's spam filters, we do suggest that you use a personal email address when completing that CEU form rather than your professional email. The cutoff for today's episode CEU is Friday, March 1st at 11 p.m. Eastern. After that point, the CEU period will close and you will no longer be eligible for the 0.5 CEUs for this week's episode, though do not fret too much because we will be back in just a couple weeks with another CEU opportunity. If you were to listen to all the episodes and claim all of the CEUs for the podcast episodes in the calendar year, you will have earned 13 free CEUs for the year. With that, we have reached the end of today's Actus podcast episode. We will be back in two weeks on Wednesday, March 13th with a new episode in our Leadership with Linnea series. If you would like to receive reminders about each episode, make sure you're subscribed to our free weekly newsletter, CDI Strategies, which always includes a link to the new episode when it's available. You can listen to the show anytime on the Actus website or via Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or your favorite podcast app. All of the links we discussed during today's episode will be available in the show notes. And as always, we would really appreciate it if you would take a minute to leave us a five-star review on your podcast app to help others find our show. Our intro and outro music is Media Noche by Dion Key, and our ad music is Take Me Higher by Jazzar, both obtained from the Free Music Archive. If you have any suggestions for future guests or topics, please feel free to email us at info at And until next time, take care, everyone.